We finished 2 Thessalonians, and we're going on into a new book. I love Thess- Thessalonians because it deals with Jesus' return. And so as I put before the Lord, where do you want me to go next? Where do you want us as a church to be in your word that we might build up? I kept resisting a certain book. And it's a certain book that people would come to me all the time and say, hey, can we do a Bible study on this? Can we talk about this? Can we do this? And there's a lot of times I just push this book off uh, um, because it can be a really, really hard book. And the book that we're going to begin is uh, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. Uh, I have lots of people who come to me and they say, hey, can we do the book of Revelation? I say, we just... We can't go there. Um, for, for, for a long time in my life, I resisted the book of Revelation for several reasons. One, in a lot of ways, when it was, I was young and it was talked about, it was only the scary things that were talked about. And so I just didn't want to deal with scary things. I'm easily frightened. So I said, I don't want to do with Revelation. And then later on, people began just to argue about what Revelation meant. And so people were saying, no, it's this and no, it's that. And I just didn't want to argue about it. And then uh, there came a point when I was just like, you know, it just seems very confusing because there's all these imagery and things and I just don't understand it. So there were several reasons and you may share some of those. There's some reasons maybe why you haven't wanted to or maybe you have and you just haven't understood and you just kind of put it off or we haven't gotten there. Now we've got there. And uh, so, so we're going to the book of Revelation and I want to tell you that there's going to be moments in the book of Revelation. I just got to say this up front. I'll probably say it every week. There's going to be a lot of moments in the book of Revelation, when you hear this in my sermon, I don't know what this means. And that's okay. The uh, very first time I ever preached Revelation several years ago, that was almost a relief that the Lord gave me is to say, you know, I haven't revealed this to you yet. You can't preach yet because I haven't given you understanding there. Maybe some of you understand those things. So I just got to tell you, there's going to be times I don't understand it. Because the book of Revelation is given in a prophetic word. And the prophets, if you go and read the prophets, a lot of times they're given in ways that you and I don't understand because a lot of times they're given in what were dreams and visions. Uh, the other night I had a dream. Uh, in one portion of the dream, I was walking through the, with the kids through this big auditorium and this whole complete wall was all glass. And you could look out through the glass into this, this large uh, field. And it was just beautiful. And the kids were playing ball in there. And then later on I looked out the glass and there was fish going by the, the, big, the big glass. And, the, and, and then later on in that very same room, I was playing basketball with buddies from college. And so as you can see, that's a wackadoo dream, right? Dreams are weird. Visions are weird. I have no idea what that imagery meant in my dream other than I wanted to play basketball. It was fun hanging out with my kids. And I don't know why there was an aquarium on the whole side. I don't know. And that's kind of how dreams are. Sometimes it's a bunch of imagery. Sometimes it kind of makes sense when we're in the dream. When we wake up, we try to make sense of it, and everything's kind of out of order in the time sequence. We try to go and tell somebody, and we begin to tell it to them because it makes sense, but then as soon as it comes out of our mouth and you see the look on their face, it's like, this doesn't make sense. And sometimes revelation and the books of prophecy can be a bit difficult because it was given in a dream. It was given in a vision. But these dreams and visions weren't meant to be confusing They were meant to allow those who truly seek Jesus to see Jesus in a greater and better way. Um, And so we're going to come to the book of Revelation and look at that this morning and begin there. Uh, So I want to rewind a little bit and start about where did the book of Revelation come from? Jesus, after he died, he sent his 12 disciples out and all those who were with them uh, who believed in him out 
to go tell the world about what he had done, that he had died for people's sin, that he had raised from the grave, and that he had ascended from heaven, and that he was coming back. And so the disciples and early believers went out to talk about Jesus. They were the witnesses. They went out. The 12 disciples went out on that mission. 11 of them were killed for that job. They would go out and speak in the name of Jesus. They would go out and heal in the name of Jesus. They would go out and speak about the resurrection and that people needed to repent. And you know what people did? They ended up killing them. And there was one disciple that was not killed, and that was John, John the Apostle. He had been probably Jesus' best earthly friend. Um, and, and as he went out, people did want to kill him. They locked him up in jail. They, they punished him. And at one point, the king of Rome, the emperor of Rome, had John in the middle of an arena. And their emperor had decided, I'm going to kill John because I don't like the message of Jesus that he's telling. I hate Jesus, and so I want to kill Jesus' messenger. And so he took John in the midst of a, an arena that was filled with people, and he took John and lowered him into a boiling pot of oil. You know why? Because John believed the same things you do. Would you suffer for the things that you believe in Jesus for? Or is it just convenient because you know Jesus that you get to end up at a harvest sale and at trunk or treat? Those things are a delight. But what if it meant your life was on the line? John's life was on the line. The emperor put him down into boiling oil. And instead of John saying, no, 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 I take it back. I don't believe it. I don't want to say that message. You know what John did it on the way into the oil? He preached the gospel on the way in. He kept telling all those in the crowd and everyone who would listen about Jesus while he's being dipped into boiling oil. But you know what happened? They took him out and Jesus had spared his life. He was untouched by the oil and, and, the, and he, everybody. It was a miracle right before their eyes. And the emperor was so angry at, at John. It's like. Why can I not kill him that he ended up exiling him? He went and stuck him on a far remote island where prisoners would go. And they would go to there. It was really rocky and they would, it was like a quarry there. And so they sent John there to be basically in prison, just left alone on this island. And it's his name Patmos. And so John, the apostle, after he couldn't be martyred, he's the only one who wasn't martyred because they couldn't kill him because Jesus still had something for him to do. And so he ends up on this island, this prisoner island of Patmos in exile. And while he's on that island, Jesus gives him the book of Revelation. That's where we get it. He's in prison. So I want you to imagine John on that island. I use this picture because it looks like as if you're sitting on the edge of an island just looking out. And, and here you have the Alpha and the Omega. And it was there that John got the revelation. And so that's where we are. Here's this disciple of Jesus who loved him so much. He would even preach if it might mean his death. But Jesus kept him alive that he might give us this precious book. And so if you would, turn to Revelation chapter 1, and we'll begin the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Stop. I don't want to go any further for the moment because this is the most important thing that you have to understand about the book of Revelation. We can go through and your preacher can say, I don't understand. You might say, you know what? I don't understand. You might, you know what? Here's the one thing you need to understand about the book of Revelation. It's about Jesus. Amen. 
if, if there's nothing else you get from the book, get this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The very first sentence says this. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, what's a revelation? Let me ask you this. Uh, what event is coming up where there will be um, gifts that are wrapped up with bows on them? Uh, what, what, what is that that's coming up? No, not Christmas. It's Elijah's birthday. It's on Tuesday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when, when Elijah's birthday comes up, he'll have these presents and, and he'll take them. And you know what he'll do? He'll probably shake them, probably trying to find out what's inside, feel how heavy they are. And there comes a moment in the midst of that celebration where there's been there's some hints, right? Because he can see the size, he can feel the weight, he can shake them, see if things rattle. And then there comes a moment when the waiting's over and you peel back the present, the gift, and it's unwrapped and it's revealed. And what's inside is revealed. And what the book of Revelation is, it's, it's kind of the moment where we get to kind of shake the box again. And as you go further and further in the book, it's like you're peeling back the wrappers to finally find out what's inside. And you know what's inside the present? Jesus. Jesus is presenting himself to you. It's a revelation of Jesus himself. And so that's what this book of Revelation, this is the revelation of Jesus. He wants to make himself known to those who would listen. And so it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. That's you and I and everybody uh, who would follow him to show the servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So. He's giving this revelation about things that would soon take place. Here's the next thing to know about the book of Revelation. One thing that's fantastic about the book of Revelation, it's about the one, because it's of Jesus, the one who was, that's in the past, who is, that's the present, and is to come, that's the future. So in the book of Revelation, it's cool because it goes all the way back to the past. Almost every verse in the book of Revelation, you can go back to somewhere else in the scripture and have it. Old Testament scriptures, Testament scriptures talk about that passage. It's all intertwined with things that Jesus already said because he's always been at work. And so it deals with the past. And then it also deals with the present. John's going to write this message to seven churches. And they were alive during that time. He's writing this letter to those seven churches. So he's dealing with those present churches. And then he's going to talk about things that will soon take place and things in the future. Things that are still to come for you and I. So it's a fun book because we look in the past, all that he's done. We look in the present, what he was saying to those present day churches. And we look into the future as to what he's saying about the whole world, how everything ends up. And so it's a really neat thing that he's trying to reveal to us. He's sending this angel to make it known to John, this vision to John. And it says this about John in verse two. He bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to the, all that he saw. So John it says about him, he, he, he bore witness to the word of God. He's bore witness and had the opportunity to see Jesus face to face. And now he gets to express that. We're going to talk a little bit uh, probably next week about what that meant in John's life. The fact that that was his job, that he loved the word of God and he loved to tell people about Jesus and what that meant in his life and what it means for your life and my life. We'll deal with that next week. Verse 3 goes on and says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Now, I just have to tell you, I love that verse. Why? Because I'm the one who's reading it aloud. It says, Blessed is the one who reads this book aloud. And then it goes on and says, And blessed are those who hear 
and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So that means not only am I blessed because I get to read this aloud, but you, because you're hearing it, you also are blessed. Why? Because Jesus is revealing himself and the time is near. The time is near. Back in that day when John would have wrote this letter, they didn't have already pre-printed copies of the letter that everybody could sit and read. They were blessed because they would sit in their churches and somebody would stand up and read it and there would be listeners who all they could do is sit and listen to it. And they were blessed because they got to come in contact with Jesus. They got to know the one who was and who is and is to come because the time of the end is near. Blessed are we that we would know what's going to happen in the days to come. You know why? Because this is the revelation of Jesus. And one of the things that because Jesus loves you and he loves me so much is this. He doesn't want you to be in the dark. You might experience some really, really dark places in your life. In fact, some of you might be in those really dark places right now. For some of you, you might feel like John as a result of your faith or just where Jesus has you in circumstances. You feel like you're being dipped in that boiling oil. It just feels like everything is on fire in your life. Or maybe you feel like you're just so bound up with what's going on. You feel like you've been left on an island and you're just sitting there saying, Lord, what's going on? But for John, if the message of the gospel could spare him from the oil and keep him and encourage him on the island that's Patmos, then there, I guarantee you there's probably nothing in your life that is too hard for Jesus to help you with as he reveals himself to you and his love to you and his care for you. Because let me tell you something about the book of Revelation. As I said, when I was younger, I looked at the book of Revelation. I said, I don't want to read it because it's scary. It talks about Satan. It talks about beasts. It talks about wars. It talks about the Antichrist. There's all these things in the book of Revelation to be scared of, right? But guess what? Revelation chapter one, verse one did not say this is the revelation of the beast. It did not say this is the revelation of the Antichrist. It did not say this is the revelation of anything else other than this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which he has given to his servants, to you and to me. Why? So that we can be encouraged and to know how much God loves us and to know there is nothing in this world, a beast, Satan, circumstances, sin. There is nothing that can take you out of the grasp of God. Jesus loves you too much to be unaware of how much he loves you, no matter what island or boiling pot you're in. Let me tell you and give you an example of just how how tremendously almost vicious God's love is for you. Last night after the trunk or three uh, in the harvest sale, uh, our kids, we still wanted to go trick or treating. So we got back into Four Oaks and it was late and things were already kind of winding down. Some people had run out of candy and stuff, but we had made it almost all the way around one of the loops there in town. And there's about one house left in the corner there we wanted to, we wanted to hit. They had a, uh, nice decorations in the patio and the family was sitting out. So we're like, okay. And I was taking the kids around, but I'd stay on the street while the kids would go up to the doors and, and to people. So there I was on the street and the kids had gone up to the house where there was kind of a little party and uh, people gathered up. And so they went and they got their candy and and they turned around, and Elijah had sprinted back to me, and, and uh, Naomi and Jude were, you know, making sure what they got was good. You know, they're looking in their thing, and so they're kind of taking their time coming back. Well, as, as they're retreating back to the road, I'm watching from a distance, 
And as my son and my daughter were making their way back to the road, here comes a jerk. Uh, and we don't use that word lightly in my house. Uh, here comes this guy, high school or something, I don't know. But he comes out from the crowd underneath the orange lights. And he's hunched and he's sneaking. He's a big guy. He's got a crazy looking demonic mask on. And he's got huge oversized werewolf hands on. And you know what he was doing? He was coming for my daughter. And you know what my daughter did? She freaked out. You know, first I thought I was, is this, you know, what's going on? Is this a joke? Here's this guy sneaking up. And I saw my daughter turn. I wasn't sure exactly how she was going to experience it. She kind of laughed at it. And then when she turned around, I saw the look in my daughter's eye. And there was terror. You know the anger of a father at that moment? You scoop your daughter up and you say, are you okay? And I shouted back some words. Nothing that I couldn't repeat here, I hear, but you don't. But man, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to destroy that werewolf. That's what came up in me. Why? He was after my daughter. He was after the one I love. And put terror into her. Unneeded terror. And I scooped up my daughter. And I, I said my piece. And we went home. We talked about this. We said, you know what? I wasn't even a werewolf. I was just a bully. Daddy could have taken him. And the one who loves his daughter, the one who loves her, begins to say, let me, let me show you the truth of the situation. I would let nothing happen to you. I was this close to taking that man's head off. Not just the mask. The book of Revelation has things that look like werewolves, things that look demonic. They're crazy in the darkness. But the story is not about the werewolf. It's about a father who's looking into the midst of darkness and all that might look like a party and watching one who is terrorizing his kids. And you've got to know that the father looks upon you and all that's coming after you that's terrible and sinful and full of death and it includes Satan and demons and your own sin. And the father looks at that and says, I will not have it. I'm tired of them looking like they're terrified. I'm tired of them looking in, like they're painful and in sorrow. I do not want them for, uh, to have that. And you know what? He has promised by what Jesus did on the cross that He has destroyed them. Right now they are bound. And the book of Revelation, just to let the cat out of the bag, is that Satan, sin, and death end up in a lake of fire. He destroys them. And he scoops up his children and he says, you know what? I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know what? I will not let anything happen to you. 
be it a boiling pot, be it an island, be your own sin. I've got you. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And He loves you too much. He loves you too much to be unaware of that. So as you go through, you might say, I'm confused. You might say, our pastor seems confused. There's going to be times that you and I might actually disagree. But you know what? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, whose name literally means the eternal one who's saved and who's been appointed as king over you. It's the revelation of him. This morning, that is a good story. If you're one of his servants. If in your life you have said, Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. You have revealed how awful I've been. I am wicked, full of sin, and I am sorry. At that moment of repentance, you are taken out of Satan and his dominion and his kingdom, which will be described in the book of Revelation. You are taken out and you are put into the family of Jesus. You have a new father. Satan is not your father. God Almighty is your father. And you are now his servant. And you, together with John and the rest of those who put their life on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are the ones which he looks upon and says, I love them and will not let them be terrified. Don't be terrified by what's in Revelation. It should get us excited for the fact that Jesus will come back and destroy all of his enemies, of which I am not one. He has so loved me to save me and He so loves you to save you. Let's go to Him. And if you're a servant of His, take heart and have joy. Now, for the opposite. If you are not a servant of Jesus, if you don't know Him, maybe you've been playing the game or you're not even playing the game, you say, I I don't want anything to do with Him. I'm just here because my mom wants me to be. I'm just here because my wife wants me to be. I don't even know why I'm here, but I hear they have lots of good food here. I don't know why you're here. But if you are not a servant of Jesus Christ, then be sure of this. The book of Revelation is going to be very terrifying to you. And it's not going to be terrifying to you because of Satan and because of the Antichrist and the beast and tribulations and things that are to come in that realm. You should not be terrified of anything you can find in this world or that has been created. You should be terrified of Jesus Christ. He is the one who has the power to save you or to take you and to throw you into eternal hell. Be terrified of Him. Don't be scared into eternity. Recognize that the one who is eternal loves you too much to have you just pass away. This is going to be a great book. I don't know what all is going to happen, but I know it's going to be about Jesus. And that gets me excited because I just know how much He loves us. He wouldn't have given us this, this book, as I said, if He didn't want us to read it and to come to a better understanding of Him. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that You loved us too much to watch us wander off into the darkness or to be terrorized by Satan and by sin and by death. And so we're thankful that You sent a rescuer, a Savior, Jesus, And that by His blood on the cross, You have washed us clean if only we would repent. And Lord, we're thankful that upon repentance that You've placed us into uh, Your family and that You defend us with Your very own name. You defend us with all of Your might and with all of Your uh, knowledge and and with Your armies and Your angels. You, You fight for us. You defend us. 
And you scoop us up and you tell us, you know what, I got this. I win. And so, Father, right now, for those who are on the winning side, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the encouragement of being with the victor, with the one who has already defeated Satan, sin, and death, and said, it's finished. It's a done deal. They're mine. Lord, remind us of your peace. Lord, for those who are not in Jesus, Lord, who continue to rebel against you, who continue to, to, to treat you like you're, you're lying or you're a joke or you're just not worth it, Lord, I pray that as our time in the Word goes forward that you would penetrate those hard hearts, those callous places, Lord, and that you would take those who need to be redeemed and that you would save them. Lord, that the same gospel that protected John in the boiling oil would be the same gospel that would save all of us who need it. And so, Jesus, right now, we come to you as a gathered congregation and we bow our knee before you and submit to you. And we say, have our hearts, have our sin, have our days and our nights, our times at church and our times away from church, have our our jobs, have our playtime, have our sleep time. Jesus, have all of it and be glorified. We pray this in your name. Amen.